You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! man is back what's up it's your boy doc coil i'm your host and welcome to the x-man podcast it's been a couple weeks since my last episode and um that's essentially i've been getting my my mind together and kind of contemplating what i wanted to do with the show in the new year and uh yeah i've i've, I've had lots of thoughts and, and a lot of it has come together in wanting to do this episode which i said i guess essentially is a year in review and kind of just being able to look back on what the uh <laughs> the hurricane that uh 2018 was in 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 so many ways and kind of how I've been dealing with it and um processing the the entire experience. And so I'm just going to do a podcast with just myself kind of talking talking through some of these things, keeping you guys up to date, giving you a little inside um look you know into into how i've been feeling about everything but essentially battles got off tour on december 15th and the cycle started april 20th and but even before that we had a show the week before for jose mangan's birthday and in april and then tommy uh, my singer and i were doing a press tour starting in march so it really was about a nine month, 10 month campaign. Um, and it's, it's a lot. I've toured a lot in my life. I've had, you know, five month stretches, six month stretches that have been pretty crazy, but I was younger. And, uh, I think when you're younger, you're just physically, you can take it a little more. You're, I, I think when I was younger, I would go on tour and that's really all that mattered. You know, I didn't really have domestic concerns and, and now that's, that's changed. You know, I have a girlfriend, I have, you know, things, you know, the definitely uh, responsibilities and interests away from tour that make it not just this kind of zero sum. I love being here all all the time. So it was it was definitely a toll. And um, and the la- after the last show ended, we were in a Pennington, Van or no, not Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. Excuse me. You know, I was laying in in my bunk. You know, driving to the airport and. It was kind of like a, I got a big kind of wave of anxiety. Like I couldn't sleep. 
and kind of everything that that had happened really hit me hard and that didn't really subside right away um you know because I, I i i left the tour and actually went back to the east coast to kind of do a pre-holiday you know see some family and friends um before i went back to la so i didn't even go home right away um and that first day i uh i slept maybe you know 14 hours or something. I mean, after I'd already slept, like I got up, you know, slept through the night, got up and it was just the, the, the pure weight of everything um, was very dramatic. And I think really the entire breadth of the full scope of touring and, and being away and traveling and, and the day to day just, just hit me in a, in a way I wasn't really anticipating. You know, when you, I think it's pretty common when, when people come home from, from tour, um, you know, you're a little off and, you know, the kind of post tour depression, I think is, is, is very common. You know, I think a lot of it just has to do with getting that natural, um, kind of buzz and, and adrenaline every day. And all of a sudden that's, that's gone. And I think that's probably the, 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 the most normal thing. But, um, by the time I actually got back, uh, home, home for, for real and around the holidays, you know, I actually dealt with some pretty bad depression in in a way that I wasn't, I was pretty, pretty worried actually. Um, and you know, it was, it was, it was tough. It was, it was really tough. I didn't, I did not expect that because, you know, I think between some of the other tours, I'd be home for a week or I'd be home for maybe, I think the longest was, was two weeks. And it was, uh, this was something, you know, I'd have, maybe I'd be off for a couple of days and then I kind of get back in the flow and, you know, by the time I got comfortable, we would be gone. But this was this was different, um, where I I felt unhealthy. You know, it's kind of like, um, <clears throat> you know, I've I've probably talked about this before from the the seven daily habits of highly effective people. They there's this allegory about someone uh, sawing a uh, a tree, you know, and they're sawing away. It's really hot. Um, when they're coming and someone, you know, and they're not really making progress and someone comes up and say, Hey, maybe you should uh, sharpen the saw. And they're like, what are you talking about? I don't have time to sharpen the saw. I gotta, I gotta get this tree down. And so this, uh, this kind of metaphor of sharpening the saw really has to do with maintenance. Um, and they talk about three, three sides, mental, physical, and spiritual. And that these, these things, if they're not attended to, um, eventually, they will come, those chickens will come home to roost. And I think that's just something I was, I was dealing with where the last, I'd say two to three weeks of the tour, um, I just got exhausted and I was just done. You know, like the last two weeks, I was just fucking done. I think we all were. Um, but I think, you know, I can only speak, speak for myself and just no energy, a lot of the days you're just, and it sucks because the shows are great and you, no matter how you're feeling, you never want the crowd to know you're not your best or you're, um, you know, you know, I think in many ways the, the body kind of saves the energies for that, you know, hour on stage, um, kind of instinctively. So that, so it means you're kind of at deficit maybe at other, other parts of the art of other parts of the day. And there are things really internal things with the band. I can't really talk about that are just tough. And I know when you guys see the pictures and the videos and the awards and the sales and the radio numbers and all, all this stuff, um, it just looks 
perfect and it looks like we're killing it. And if you're a musician who's out there struggling, you probably look at that and say, well, I want that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Um, but the, the, the truth is the reality is so much more stark and, um, you know, you just have different kinds of issues. Um, you know, and I think I've kind of noticed this, you know, when you look at, you know, whether it's Chris Cornell or, or Chester Bennington or, you know, what happened with uh, Dolores O'Riordan, or, or we don't even, even really know uh, with that. I don't know. You know, I think we have a tendency to think that all these these people who are famous and wealthy and successful that their life is great or that they're happy and the truth is none of this stuff brings you happiness it doesn't um especially if you're using kind of fame or external validation to fill some emptiness within you you know it has to come from within you know and i've kind of reached that point in my life where it really, you know, getting that jolt from the crowd really did something for me. And now it's kind of irrelevant. And it's, but keep in mind, that's a good thing. Uh, because I get on stage, it's about A, putting on a good show, playing well, um, bringing the energy, connecting uh, with fans. Um, but it's also for me about the fu fundamental experience of just playing and being part of a unit and, you know, having, you know, doing something kind of difficult and, nailing it, you know, and, and bringing it home. That's, that's super, super valuable to me, but it's, it really used to be about that energy and that pop and all right, I'm killing it and having, the, you know, and I just, you know, thankfully that doesn't, that's not, that's not what, what, what moves me. Um, but I think if you are wired that way where you need attention or you need, um, you need people to kind of tell you you're, you're great to kind of, or just feel that, that they think you're great or put you on a pedestal. I think, it just, it all falls apart. You know, I, it reminds me of Michael Jackson when he would, you know, he was so isolated in his life. And there's, there's like documentaries where he's, he'll like go out and greet fans at his hotel. Or that's that, that famous thing where he like stuck his baby over the uh, balcony. And he needed that because he didn't have enough human contact and, and that he couldn't, he can't go to Walmart. He can't go to Best Buy <laughs> to, to, to quote Eminem from, from funny people. Um, and so he kind of needed that to get him through, to kind of validate that he's doing the right thing and that he still feels good. Cause also we're just people and the environment of touring, I think represents a, a couple things that are unhealthy. I think one of it is repetition. And I get it, a lot of us has, have repetitious jobs, whether that's your, you know, uh, working the counter or, or working the register somewhere, or you're in a factory or something where it's just, it's Groundhog Day. I think for humans, that's just not, generally not good. I think routine is healthy, but repetition, mindless repetition, I think, can have a lot of uh, adverse effects. Um, I was actually posted this podcast with Dave Illich, the drummer, where he was talking about that when you play the same thing every day, you actually, your body starts making new mistakes or you unable to play certain things because the brain hates repetition and it kind of wants to screw things up. And I have an issue with that. You know, like me, if it was up to me, I'd be like changing the set list every day and having jams. And because I think as a musician, as an artist, you need that free space to express, you know, as opposed to just, Hey, we're going to play this one map every day. And it's the same. I, I don't, that's not my preference, but you know, sometimes you're in bands. That's, that's, a certain band or a certain project, that's how it is. And that's how it kind of should be. Um, but it's not my, my 100% my preference. 
Um, the other kind of thing I think is weird is just kind of going, you know, having a job where people put you on a pedestal is weird, you know, to go, Hey, I'm at my job and people applause or they scream for you or they want your autograph. They want your picture. I think that's kind of weird. People just treating you like you're special is kind of weird. And listen, maybe you are special. You know, if you're a prince or someone like this, you know, you probably are special and you, you deserve it, but I don't feel that special. I, I always want to, my main thing when people come up to me or want a picture or something, I try to, to disarm them and just remind them, Hey, I'm just a guy like you. Just people be like, what are you doing out in the crowd? I'm like, Hey, just, just watching the show, hanging out, enjoying the show, just like you, you know? And, uh, and probably the, I think the other thing is just um, the environment of, of being transient, you know, of, of always being on the move and, and not having roots settled somewhere that kind of does something to, to people where you get either you need to embrace it and you get used to it where that's your, your lifestyle. You're kind of a, um, like a nomad, you know, you're a wanderer, you know, and that, that just becomes your, your mode of being, you know, or you're kind of always feeling off, like you're missing something. Um, and that's, and I think I've just evolved. I was, I was that person. I was the nomad. I was the wanderer. And then I kind of settled into a spot and I, you stay kind of uh, static, um, or at least grounded. I mean, that's a better word grounded. And, um, so I think when you're wired that way, you know, that can, it can just unsettle you. And I've, I've probably said this before, um, but I'll say it again. I think for every month you're on tour, you'd probably be better served uh, with a month at home. And and keep in mind, I, I understand this is not really the ideal. Bands like uh, Metallica, for example, they'll pretty, they pretty much tour two weeks on, two weeks off. And most bands, when you're a working class band, you just don't have that opportunity. You pretty much have to tour six to nine months out of the year to make a living. And especially when you're in a band like in our position, when you have momentum, it's like you have to take these opportunities because it's not going to come around again the way it is. You have to build because you're building a career. And it's just that is part of the sacrifice. Um, like you look at. Guns N' Roses and Metallica, where they, where they, the way they used to tour when they were breaking, you know, I think Metallica did like two and a half years on the Black Album. And that's the ambition, right, though? That's the, hey, we have to do this. And it's there's a cost, though, to it. You don't kind of get out scot-free. And you, you see so many bands, people come away, away with addictions. They come away with weird ego problems they come away you know if you watch the some kind of monster where james hetfield talks about essentially uh being having arrested development you know being stuck in this teenager young person's mentality and that environment never giving him a chance to mature and so that's something that's that's very relevant too there's kind of a cost but i'm kind of the mind though there's a cost with every type of job like you know if you work in the coal mine you're going to get the black lung right if you do you know, a certain job, you might get carpal tunnel or whatever. If you're in a desk job, you're maybe you're vitamin D deficient or your eyes hurt because you're standing at a computer. You have a bad back because you're sitting all day. Like every job kind of gets its pound of flesh one way or another from you. You don't really get out. You know, that's part of why we get paid. <laughs> you know, it's all for your time, but it's also the the kind of blood, sweat and tears aspect of, of these things. So, you know, it's... um. And this, so this is not to say, hey, touring is bad or I shouldn't tour. It's not that. This is not one way or the other. It's just saying 
you know, when you make a choice to go into a certain line of, of work or you're, you're lucky enough to have success in a certain area, there's, it's just, there's just, there's positives and, and, and negatives. And, and I don't want it to seem like I'm ungrateful because I'm not, I'm very grateful for the opportunities. But anyway, this, the way I was feeling when I got home really made me kind of try, have to look inwards, you know, and, and kind of figure out, um, you know, kind of just how I needed to get back to a certain centered and feeling healthy and feeling happy because that means I wasn't, you know, and then, and my, and also my uncle died, um, you know, right after Christmas and before new year's. And that was a shock. Um, uh, was my father's brother, uh, someone who I was definitely close with. Um, and these things you, you, you never, you know, you never expect it. And, uh, so I, I had to go back home to New Jersey for the funeral and, um, you know, and so I decided, you know, it kind of, you know, I was, guys, not for nothing, I was definitely, the way I was feeling on the road, I was drinking too much. I wasn't eating great. Um, I wasn't working out how I'd want to. I wasn't, and these are the things, the kind of, the sharpening, sharpening the the saw. You know, these are these kind of things. And it's very tough. I haven't figured out how to really tour healthily yet. And hopefully one day I'll, I'll figure that out or else probably won't make it. But, you know, it's once a new year hit, um, I decided I'm going to stop drinking for the near future. Um, and that helped, it helped, it helped a lot just with, um, consistency of mind, you know, it was, it was kind of, I think the thing about tour sometimes, or what, you know, maybe it's not tour, maybe it's just me. Sometimes it's easy to say the environment is uh, difficult, but you know, just kind of feeling l- lack of discipline. So it's just kind of putting that in there and I just felt much better not drinking. Um, and then, then I also, you know, started changing the the diet a little bit, trying to get that in, in gear. And then I think some of these things, it's not necessarily about, Hey, I'm going to lose weight or, Hey, I'm not going to drink because I'm straight edge now. It's about how you feel and also just exerting some control to say, Hey, my body isn't going to tell me how to be, or my mind isn't telling me how to be. I'm going to tell those things how to be. And those are ways you can kind of garner some control over yourself. So it's been really, really helpful and really powerful. And then once all that starts happening, then everything else starts kind of lining up. All of a sudden I'm sleeping better and I'm getting more things done. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm not depressed, you know, it's kind of strange how that goes. And I guess it's kind of a lot. It makes sense. It's like, Hey, stop drinking and stop eating like shit and, (laughs) and you'll feel better. And it's true. And I think it's especially true. The older you get when you can't, you know, I get sugar hangovers now I'll eat ice cream and the next day I'll be felt literally feel like I, I was, I have a hangover from drinking. It's crazy. It sucks. I love ice cream. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was, it's been an interesting time. And, and, and with that, another thing I did was, uh, recently, if you follow me online, you probably saw, I, I didn't take a break from social media. I kind of did, but I stopped, I took a week where I said, I'm, I'm not going to post about myself. Um, because it, it started to feel, you talk about the, the repetition, um, on the road, I just started to feel like, all right, we have these, we have this great photographer, videographer, uh, Randy Edwards out with us guys, super amazing, super talented. And he take these great pictures and you post stuff and your life looks cool and the lighting's great and all this stuff. And, um, 
a lot of it just felt empty. You know, it felt like Pavlov's response um, of, you know, I'm posting this because I'm supposed to, or I'm marketing myself or I'm branding or whatever the hell. And it's so crazy how much of that stuff I'm, I focused on and want to embody and kind of work on my career. And you're just like, I don't know. A lot of it just didn't feel very, very healthy. And, um, yeah, so I, I spent a week where I said, you know, I'm just going to post about other people or other things that I like and make suggestions. And I, I didn't, I didn't actually post that, that much. Um, but it felt really good. And, I, you know, I, I actually think that, you know, the social media thing, man, it's, I don't know. I think, I think we were probably going to look at social media in 10, 20 years, the way we think about smoking and, um, where it's just this thing that was super common and everyone was doing, but it's going to turn out to be really unhealthy for the, for the brain and for our well-being and depression and, you know, anxiety. And you look at, there's all these statistics about young people and all this different stuff they're dealing with because they've, that's all they've known. And, um, and it's, you know, kind of having a disconnect for that. And I get it. I think it's a little different, you know, in many ways I almost, you know, one of my goals is almost be do well enough um, in some of these avenues where I don't have to, I'm not a slave to social media where you just have to be on all the time or posting all the time. That's kind of one of my, uh, yeah, my, my goals. And so, cause the thing is, if, if you're not posting stuff from an industry standpoint and a professional standpoint, you're seen as not, you're not a hustler. You're not utilizing the tools you have to promote yourself. Um, and I, and, and that and that's the thing you 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 know you have like an artist or someone who's really talented but they don't they don't want to engage in social media. And the thing is that's probably a healthy instinct or they're just lazy and go and go either either way, but it is a really double-edged sword. Um when you start getting you know there's a you get a little dopamine rush when you get a like or someone friends you or or these these things that it's just a very odd reward system and incentive structure that really rewards um, narcissistic people and people that don't want to have a boundary between their real life and the public. And I do, I, I do want to have an existence that survives outside of this public kind of view. And I, I want to have moments that are just mine, you know, or just, you know, an, in, an intimate moment. And it's interesting where the more open people are, the more attention they get and more people want it. And it's, um, you know, it's just a change in the culture. And this is obviously stems from the reality show era up until, you know, now you have Twitch and you have live streaming and, and all this stuff where, you know, I guess it's not, not too far from that, that movie with um, Jim Carrey, you know, where his life was a television show. And we kind of each, each of our lives, has kind of, if you want to put it out there, you know, we've become this voyeuristic, um, supplemental type of relationships. You know, I, I think, I think that's the, a lot of the kernel of the psychology between, you know, people like to watch people play video games, for example, or even podcasts like on, my, on my end. And, you know, hey, I listen to someone's podcast. I get to hang out with those people for a few hours and we're having these kind of virtual one-sided relationships, um, so it's a kind of it's a deep it's a deep rabbit hole, but but that experience just kind of taking a little break from that and shining light on other people just it made me feel really good, and you know I think 
you know, I was, I'll, probably, I'll probably make a post about this, but you know, anytime I think I'm feeling anxious or depressed, probably the, the first thing I should do is think about what I can do to help someone else just in that moment, you know, what, and it's, it's probably the best and most immediate antidepressant. I think someone, someone can have. So it's something I want, I want to think about and try and do more often. It, 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 it like I said, it seems intuitive, but, um, it's definitely something I don't do enough. And, you know, and that's, you know, maybe it's paying it forward. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know, but it's definitely something. And I, and listen, I've never been Mr. Uh, charity guy or, um, you know, um, someone who volunteers for stuff. It's never really been my, my style. And I have a lot of respect for people who, who do that stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's just something, it's my little way of kind of trying to put a little positive inertia into the world. Um, but yeah, so that, that was a good thing. So I, yeah, so I'm doing all these things to kind of reclaim kind of mental and physical and emotional health and spiritual health and all that stuff. And I feel like it's, it's helping me. I'm feeling more productive and I feel more excited about things. And, uh, yeah, so things are, things are really, really looking up. Um, just, yeah, I don't know if, if I've announced, I think pretty much all the stuff that I'm doing coming up is more or less announced. I have ship rocked coming up, um, which there's a bunch of, you know, if you guys, it's already sold out, you know, but um, that's next week. And it's like Seven Dust is playing and Papa Roach and nothing more and a bunch of other bands. And I'm on this all-star thing called The Stowaways. We do cover songs. It's like Jeff Tate from Queensryche or used to be in Queensryche and uh, uh, John Tempesta and Head from Corn. It's going to be really cool. Looking forward to that. I'm also doing Dime Bash in uh, Orange County, California. And there's all kinds of people, Dave Grohl, um, Corey Taylor. That's going to be nuts. Really looking forward to that. And then what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, Battles just announced a bunch more festivals. We're doing Rockfest in Wisconsin. We're doing uh, Rocklahoma. And we're doing the Nebraska State Fair, which is hilarious. And then, yeah, we have the Papa Roach Tour coming up. We have the Nickelback Tour in Australia coming up. So that stuff is going to be very busy. I'm, I've, and I have something else coming up. I can't even announce yet. Um, that I'm really looking forward to as well. So I'm, oh yeah, I should probably talk about, uh, the, the new bad wolves record. Um, yeah, we're knee deep in writing on that. And this stuff is bad ass. I'm super, super psyched about it. Um, mostly we're doing instrumentals and then Tommy's working on some stuff on his, his own, but this record's going to be sick. And I'm, you know, as opposed to the last record where I came in at the end, this, I'm a lot more involved. Um, it's not about, I need to be involved. It's not that, but it's, it's nice to be a part of the process and kind of feel like my fingerprints on some of the stuff, because I feel like I can, I can help and I can take something that's good and make it that much better. So that's really exciting. And I'm playing a lot more guitar right now. I want to take some lessons and I got, you know, I got guitar solos coming up and I want to, you know, have some more tricks in the, uh, in the, in the, in, in, in the pocket there. So I'm going to try and practice more and hopefully take a few lessons. That'd be cool. I got to hit up some, some badasses. Um, but yeah, that's, what's going on with, with that. Um, yeah, so that's the, you know, the, I don't know if that was a dark thing. I don't think that was dark. I think it was just, you know, just yeah, I gotta get this stuff out guys. You know, it's, it's so important. And that's probably a big reason why, why I do the podcast is to, um, my own little personal therapy sessions. You know, I can't talk to my mama, so I talk to my diary. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, but no, 
with the, you know, with the, the serious stuff out, out of the way, I, I figured it'd be cool to um, give you guys my top movies and top music, top albums of the year. But I'm going to do, I'm going to do albums first because usually I do like a top 10 list, put it out there, you know, somewhere. And I didn't do it this year, partially because the touring got so hectic and I listen to so many podcasts. I feel like I just don't listen to as many new bands and new artists as I would like to, especially just being when you're just wrapped up in it, it's, it's tough. You know, it was, it was great when I was writing for VH1 and I had really like an excuse to, to find, find new, new stuff. Um, but with that, with that said, I, I, I was able to cobble together definitely the records that, that I liked the most this year. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through the list and, uh, you know, chime in, tell me what, tell me what you think, tell me how bad my taste is. And, uh, if you have, you know, records that you can recommend, definitely, you know, send me a message on Twitter or whatever. Say, Hey doc, check out this record. It's badass. And, and the thing is, that's what I say is I know there's so much good stuff out there. It's just having the time and listening to podcasts. It kind of sucks away all my, my listening time. Now it kind of it's great, but it's. I feel like I'm. I'm missing out on, on a lot of a lot of great music. So, let me know. Talk shit. It's fine. All right. So this is not in any order, but it's kind of in order, but not really. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna go through it. Uh, the first one I have on my list is uh, "Holy Hell" by the band Architects, and this band got on my radar with their their previous album, and I think it's "All Gods Have Abandoned Us," and they're from the UK. And if you haven't heard them, they basically sound like if Bring Me the Horizon, when they were a bit heavier, they kind of went more in that direction. It's got a little more genty kind of guitar sounds, and uh, they're just amazing. I think they're really, you, I guess you can call them a metalcore band, but they're one of the bands that's kind of pushing that genre in different directions, and they're blowing up. I mean, they're, they're massive in, in the UK, and they're they're coming back to the, uh, the US, and they're doing, you know, kind of House of Blues type venues, and they're, they're killing it, and they're just a great band. I hope to be able to do some shows with them and or something. They're just one of one of my favorite bands. If I, I kind of point to them as anyone talking about who's ki- who's killing it right now and really pushing things and this feels fresh and awesome. All about Architects. Great album. Uh, second thing I have is the new Light the Torch record entitled Revival. And if you don't know, that's um, Howard Jones from who's in Kill Switch Engage and Blood Has Been Shed. Uh, had a band called Devil You Know, and they changed their name. And put out this record and there is a difference they change the name but there's a stylistic difference with this record it's um pretty much no screaming i think or very little i have to go back through but yeah hardly any and just really hooky songwriting i mean every song is just you you know by the second chorus you are you are sold you know it's basically the the hall and oats of modern uh <laughs> mainstream metal <laughs> no it's it's fucking awesome and um I know some of you guys probably saw that saw Howard and them with uh, Trivium, and he was filling in. So that's that's really cool. And uh, yeah, I haven't actually seen them play since they've been like the Torch. But hopefully, that's another band. I hope I would love to do some touring with. Would, would be killer. Uh, third on my list is the Black Panther soundtrack. And this, if you don't know, obviously awesome movie, but um, was curated, and a lot of songs are by Kendrick Lamar. And uh, what I really love about this soundtrack is the the kind of beats. I mean, it's a hip hop, you know, R&B, you know, some R&B flavor on the record, but it has a lot of kind of African rhythms and really deep beats that 
put you in the the vibe of what the movie is 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 supposed to be and a lot of the songs are actually featured in the film on some of the coolest scenes um but yeah i mean uh, probably a lot of people have heard this song pray for me with uh, the weekend sings but there's probably there's another song with vince staples that's just sick it's you know unfortunately i didn't listen to as much hip-hop this year as i i wanted to um i tend to usually the year this year i feel like i listened to a lot of music from last year it's funny on spotify if you go through all my my stuff it's a lot of stuff from last year so i feel feel like a lazy music listener so don't so don't hate on me uh send me some good hip-hop because i know that you know there's there's been some whack stuff coming out recently i'm not gonna say by who but you know who you are you know, honorable mention to this, the, if you like this, you'll probably like the Spider-Man Spider-Verse uh, soundtrack as well, which is put together in a very similar way and is also featured a lot in that film. Um, what do I have next? I have Thrice Palms. Huge fan of Thrice forever. Love how they evolved. I, I did a post about them last week about this record and totally got into it recently, but it did come out last year and it's badass they're just one of the great rock bands that we have right now and you know their stuff is is catchy and has all that stuff but it's just there's so much depth and uh dustin kendry the singer his dude's voice it's all smoky and gritty it's you know he's just one of those guys man it's what an amazing band i i highly recommend that record if you haven't got into thrice um the next record is uh the band ghosts and their record prequel and uh I really love this album because it's so, you know, they just, they don't waste no time. They just get right into the good shit. Um, incredible songwriting. And I love how um, concise the record is. I think it's like eight or nine songs. And just every song is a banger. All killer, no filler. And they've taken that that step up. I've always, I've been a big ghost booster for the last few years. And I'm, I just love to see bands go up. You know, they started doing a couple of arenas. And, and they're just they're just killing it and there's there's no one like them they're just they're completely unique uh musically visually i mean you could say oh they sound like from the 70s but yeah but who else is doing that no one's doing that so i i definitely worship at the altar of ghost great record and i'm sure many of you already have heard it um next record i have is a band called bad rabbits um and their record mimi and if you haven't heard bad rabbits probably a lot of you haven't they're an r&b band they basically sound like like a '90s R&B group, but they're they're a band, you know. But if you listen to Bruno Mars' last record, that basically sounds like Bad Rabbits. The I don't know what happened, but I'm pretty sure someone stole Bad Rabbit sound for that Bruno Mars record. And um, they're a bunch of uh, guys from Boston, I believe, and kind of from the hardcore scene, and they've done Warped Tour and stuff like that, but. Um, they put out a record a few years ago that I really liked um, called American Love. And then they put out kind of a weird record, which I wasn't really into. And then this record, Mimi, is like a complete return to form. And it'll you put that on, it'll get the party going. So definitely check that out. Uh, my next record is the new Seven Dust album entitled All I See Is War. And, you know, I really, really love this record. Um, I was... I really liked the album, the first... Uh, record that they put out when uh, Clint Lowry came back, uh, Cold Day Memory. And then the next one didn't quite do it as much for me, but this new one is just, it's super underrated. I just, I, I wish, Seven Dust to me is just one of the great 
rock metal, whatever you want to call them, rock metal bands. They're so consistent. Their live show is incredible. Their catalog is incredible. And they're the nicest guys ever. And uh, and this record is just just awesome. There's top to bottom. There's great songs. And uh, they just keep killing it. Um, next record is the Burn the Priest Legion XX. And if you don't know, Burn the Priest is actually the former name of Lamb of God before... Um, there was a slight member change. There was one other guy, this guy Abe, who was playing guitar before Willie joined. Um, actually, God forbid, played with Burn the Priest back in the day, 98 in a garage. Um, and they put out this, uh, essentially they borrowed the same ideas like when Slayer put out a covers record where they covered punk bands, more or less uh, Lamb. I'm just going to call him Lamb of God for now. But <laughs> they basically cover punk, hardcore, uh, just weird stuff, which is which I, I just fucking love that they're – you know, they're one of the biggest bands in, in metal, but their tastes are very eclectic and they're showing their roots. Um, and I love the production on it. It just sounds sounds like a band. It sounds real. Um, so shout out to Josh Wilbur for killing killing the production. I, I just love the song choice. Bad Brains, Quicksand. Um, the ministry cover is fucking amazing. And I don't even know the band that they, the first song off the record, I don't even know who that is, but it's it's just fucking amazing. So that record is is the bomb. Um, and the last record I have for my, I think it's my top 10. It might be top nine. I don't know. Uh, it's Cosm, record called Omniscient. And it's actually a band from Ravi and Aiden from my other band, Vegas Nerve. And it's a record that they did together. And it's not, so if you liked Vegas Nerve and you like the vocals and kind of the really moody elements, you'll probably be into this record. And uh, these guys worked on it for a long time. They basically did an EP and then did this thing with this label and they wanted them to extend it to a full length. So now it's a full length record. And it's just, you know, these guys know how to write songs. Their stuff has so much depth and, and feel. And, and I can really listen to Robbie sing, you know, to like the washing machine. Like the motherfucker just has one of the best voices. And hopefully we can do something to Vegas Nerve soon when I get a little time. Because uh, I just I just love those guys and I, I miss them dearly. And a couple honorable mentions to uh, Stone Temple Pilots' new record. Um, really cool. That new singer brings it. Um, Muse has a really cool new record. Um, even though it's not like song for song, it's not really killing me, but I love the first few songs and, uh, I'm, I'll just, I'll always buy every Muse record because they're basically my favorite band. And then new Parkway drive record. Um, I was not a fan of them back in the day. Not that I didn't like them. I just didn't get into them. And I know this new record, a lot of people, they're old school fans, think it's too mainstream or too commercial, whatever. But uh, it's the first one I really listened to kind of as it came out. And I think it's pretty badass. And I saw them play recently at the Palladium and those motherfuckers get the fucking crowd going. So, yeah. So check out those records. Tell me the stuff I missed. And, um, yeah, I apologize. I wish I had more, you know, I'll read these top 10 lists and it's always, you know, some really deep art, art art metal record, you know, something that's very obscure and difficult to listen to. And I'm just, you know, I guess I'm just not that guy anymore. I like pretty, I like stuff that's fairly easy, easy to listen to. So maybe I'm becoming a bad music fan, but you know, you like what you like, you know, there is no right or wrong. 
What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. And with that out of the way, let me talk about my favorite movies of 2018. If y'all know me, Doc Coyle is a movie fanatic and um and you know what not for nothing my my taste definitely tend to lend towards uh <laughs> popcorn films and and things of, of of that nature i'm a i'm an action movie buff as you'll as you'll kind of hear from 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 this list and you know i love sci-fi i love uh you know kind of larger than light stuff but i do i do like you know stuff that has substance uh to it and um you know but i, I go to the movies a lot I go see a lot of old movies. I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in that mode. Uh, so, you know, take this and keep in mind. There's a lot of stuff I haven't seen that I'm still planning on on seeing. But um, this is these are my favorite favorite films of 2018. You know, let me know if there's some good stuff I'm, I'm missing. Let me know. So I'm, I'm actually I'm gonna go in reverse order this time here yeah. because I definitely I have a favorite film of this year. Um, last on my list is Equalizer Two. It's Denzel. And it's, you know, old man action. I mean, how, 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 how can, can you go wrong? You know, in this film, but it's, I love it. It has that extra bit of depth and, you know, it doesn't, it's not all just about ass whooping. You know, there's plenty of ass whooping. You know, there's this other, you know, kind of underbelly of, you know, Denzel wants, you know, wants the youth to do right. You know, I'm feeling that shit. You know what I'm saying? Got to bring the black youth up. Loving that. Denzel. All right. Equalizer 2, go see it. You'll feel good. Uh, another movie went under my radar, uh, but... I, I think I downloaded it or something, and I, and I was like, oh, that looks cool. And then I saw it, and I was like, why isn't this movie uh, more out there? And it's called Hotel Artemis, and it's actually – who's in it? Uh, Jodie Foster is in it, and um, Sterling K. Brown, and Jeff Goldblum is also in, in the film. And it's, uh, it's kind of hard to describe, so it's kind of like in a semi-post-apocalyptic – 
future with you know it has some sci-fi elements and technology and it's just a fucking cool movie i can't even really say, say that much about it but it's like criminals and there's violence and and it's just it's got a cool vibe go, go, go see it. i'm not gonna tell you too much but um it's fucking awesome uh Next movie is Annihilation with Natalie Portman, and it's uh, the same director that did Arrival. And some people don't like Annihilation, and it's it it has a, it's a very strange film. A lot of stuff is very open in, to interpretation, but these are kind of like my favorite kinds of films, the ones that make you think and kind of stick with you. It's very eerie. There's some very scary moments, um, but I just like it because it's fucking out there and it's weird. And uh, yeah, good job all around to the people who made this film. Go see it. Uh, my next film is Mid 90s, which is a film that was directed by um, Jonah Hill, the actor. I don't know if he wrote it. Maybe he wrote it too. I don't know. I have to look that up. But um, really, it's a you know basically a coming of age story about a kid who's you know has some tough times at home and finds friends. You know, makes friends with these kids who are skateboarders. And it's, you know, it is of the time, the mid-90s, as you hear. So it's a lot of, like, pop culture references of that time, things like that. And it's just, you know, it's just one of those movies that you just, you get the feels. And it and it and everything in it feels very real and authentic. And you really connect with uh, the characters, what's going on. So highly recommended. Uh, the next one is the, probably the biggest surprise of the year for me, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And it's one of the best superhero movies ever made. I think it's by far the best Spider-Man movie. And I, I I don't care whether you're kids or you're 80 years old. If you go to this movie, you will have a good time. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, it's the movie I've felt like I was in a comic book more than anything. The music is fucking awesome. I mentioned that before. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. Go see it. If you don't, you're stupid. Sorry. Uh, next one. And, and just see, there's a few comic book movies in here because, listen, Doc Coyle just, I'm in it. Especially the Marvel shit. I'm, I, I I see everyone multiple times. I have a problem. Black Panther. Um, I love what Marvel's doing is they just keep expanding the type of films they make. You know, every, you know, used to be a little more, you know, hey, Marvel's making comic book films. And then they started with like the Captain America's like, no, this is going to be a spy drama. And then with the new Spider-Man, it's like, hey, it's going to be more of a teen film or Ant-Man is a heist movie, and and this one, you know, Ryan Coogler, who also, he directed Creed and um, Fruitvale Station, you know, Black Panther had some big um, markers to hit, and it was trying to really say some things culturally that I think really matter, and outside of that, it's a comic book, and it's big budget, and there's action, there's some deeper elements there that, you know, people really connected to, I think, you know, the the black community and mass came out and, you know, it's hard not to, you know, I'm half black, but so maybe I, I have connected to it. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it was an important cultural touchstone. Um, and I think it is a, a good film. It's not the best Marvel film, uh, but it's in the upper tier and uh, yeah, the, the colors are incredible. And you can tell in um, Michael B. Jordan as a uh, Killmonger just kills it. One of the best bad guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure most of you have seen seen Black Panther, but if you haven't, I loved it. And then uh, next on the list is Mission Impossible Fallout. And me, if you know me, I'm a Tom Cruise homer. I'll see, I'll watch Tom Cruise do anything. It's like new movie, Tom Cruise uh, sitting down in the couch. Uh, new movie, Tom Cruise cutting his grass. I'm going to see day one. I love Tom Cruise. 
And I love, and the Mission Impossible series just keeps getting better. He does all his own stunts. It's absolutely insane. And this Mission Impossible Fallout is one of the best action movies ever made and the best pure action movie to come out since uh, Mad Max Fury Road. It's, you say, you know, all those commercials, like, I was on the edge of my seat. I was literally on the edge of my seat. Like, I was worried for Tom, all right? Because he's a treasure, or he's a national treasure. And uh, it was Mission Impossible Fallout. If you like action movies, it doesn't get any better than this. Fucking awesome. Um, my next film is A Star is Born. And yeah, this movie is, it's just, it's a really, there's a lot, you know, that's, you're happy, you're crying, that's sad, it's, you know, it's wonderful, it kind of has, has all those things, but, you know, just shout out to, um, Bradley Cooper, who, I think he wrote and directed it, or he just, or he directed, I'm sorry, it's a remake, it's a remake, so he probably didn't write it, but, um, there's just a lot of soul and heart in this movie, I love, it has some of my favorite concert, uh, footage of the way they filmed the stuff, it has a very intimate, really everything is filmed from the perspective of the artist and how it kind of feels to go up there. And the music is incredible. I have, I got to find out who played guitar on it because the guitar playing is great. His The guy he's playing is, it's kind of like, it makes it look like he's like a country guy, but it actually, during the movie, it feels like he's more of like a blues type artist with a, maybe a little Americana country leanings. Um, and, and Lady Gaga is fantastic. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay is in the movie and he's awesome. Sam Elliott. Just a just a lot of heart in this film, um, especially when you kind of compare it to Bohemian's Rhapsody, which is more of a traditional Hollywood type of depiction of um, which you know, the end of Bohemian's Rhapsody, the, the the concert is incredible. But from a pure film standpoint, it just feels so much more personal and, and real. Um, so, and I, I am predicting it will win Best Picture. Um, next film is The Ballad of Busker Buster Scruggs which is the new Coen Brothers film on Netflix. And I think it's actually the best thing the Coen Brothers have done probably since No Country for Old Men. Um, just a, it's a collection of little short vi- vignettes. They're not that short, but, um, you know, in the in the Old West. And these guys, man, just the writing, the cinematography, just everything, man. Uh, they're, they're such craftsmen. And, I don't, and there's no one like them. And the way they write kind of old time timey western slash southern dialogue it's i don't even i don't even know how they how they do it and they always because they're the coen brothers they get the best actors that can deliver this stuff in a really naturalistic way so you know if you like the coen brothers i mean I, you've probably already seen it so there's nothing nothing for me to tell you and my favorite film of 2018 is avengers of infinity war i've seen it like five times and every time i get so amped up i think it's it's funny because i said um, Spider-Man Spider-Verse is, is one of the best superhero f- films ever made and I think Infinity War is right there too I think it's the best Marvel film um, and I get it that you unless you've seen everything before it doesn't the context isn't really there or at least seen enough of it before but it just it gets right into the heart of it and it gets really serious and then they get really light and it's hilarious and they can you know uh, I think Thanos one of the best villains ever uh, shout out to Josh Brolin, just killed it. And uh, I think it's they did something that's really impossible to have a million characters and have it all flow. Everything works. And I don't I don't even know how they did it. And I think it's gonna be really hard to top in Endgame. And that movie, it just it get me gets me on all all levels. So yeah, I guess I know people are sick of superhero films, but I guess I'm not. So clearly from from my list, I, I am not. And a couple uh honorary mentions to Deadpool 2, hilarious. Hereditary, 
freaky, scary, great performances. Uh, Bird Box, I know it's a little overhyped, but it's just something that just really sticks with you and, uh, you know, definitely a must watch. And uh, Black, Black Klansman, which I liked most of the film, but some of the things didn't totally get, work for me at the end, but it's still definitely worth watching Spike Lee's new movie. And uh, yeah, and there's a bunch of stuff I still haven't seen yet that I'm gonna, going to, as I was looking at stuff, I'm like, oh, I need to see that, I need to see that. Um, you know, especially, you know, for the time for for the Oscar season, you want to see the Oscar movie, so you're you're educated. So I'll try and do that. But um, yeah, guys, I think that's, that's going to wrap it up for me. Uh, thank you for listening to me run my mouth for damn near an hour. Um, you know, uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes. I don't know if it's kind of silly after this to say that, but uh, please do that. Uh, if you want to sponsor the show, you have a band, you have a product, uh, please hit me up on social media or drop me an email at the X man podcast at gmail.com. Remember that is E X. And, uh, we have merch. We have, uh, X man podcast t-shirts and also a dot coil, really hilarious t-shirt available on my website, dot coil.net, or you can also go to rockabilia.com and check that out. Um, yeah, so I know this is this year in review is a couple weeks too late, but I really wanted to do this and uh, just get some of this stuff off my chest and uh, you know bring you guys into my my world a little bit. So you know, seriously, thank you to everyone who keeps listening to the show. I'm I'm still really enjoying it, and I have some cool episodes coming up. And uh, yeah, onward and upward, Mamba out. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>